the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Lift Up Jesus radio program, where we exist to lift up the name of Jesus. This is our mission and our passion, because we believe there is no other name that has the power to change lives and hearts, including yours. I pray that you'll understand that the Bible tells us that there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can all be saved. Join us here every weekday at 7 p.m. at 99.5 KKLA-FM for bold, uncompromising biblical teaching. And please invite your friends and family to listen in as well. I'm Dudley Rutherford, the lead pastor of Shepherd Church, which has three campuses in the greater Los Angeles area, Porter Ranch, Aqua Dulce, and Woodland Hills. Our church is racially diverse. It is multi-generational. It's built on biblical preaching, dynamic worship, and helpful ministries. We have many service times to choose from on Saturdays and Sundays. So visit our website at liftupjesus.com. That's liftupjesus.com to learn more about us, our locations, and our service times. Today's program is a slice of what you'll experience if you'll come visit us at Shepherd Church. So let's dive right in to today's message. Today we begin a brand new series called Compelled. And this idea of this series uh, for six weeks is based upon the belief that most people, not all, but most people in this city and most people in most cities are lost. They do not know Jesus Christ. Most people are broken. Most people are confused. Most people are on a path that does not lead to heaven. Now, most of us, inside these four walls, most of us, and I'm not the judge, only God is the judge, amen, but it's safe to say that most of the people in this room are saved. I I would be foolish to say that everyone in this room was saved. I mean, who knows that? I I just got to believe in this many people, there have to be some lost people here today. Why, why are you here? Well, your parents dragged you in here, your spouse dragged you in here, or you're here because they told you they'd take you out to eat or something, so you came. <laughs> but my point is that most people outside this church do not know Jesus Christ. Most people inside this church do know Jesus Christ. You, you have been redeemed. Your sins have been forgiven. Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. You should thank the Lord for that. You should thank the Lord for that. But statistics tell us, so there have been research done on this, 
that most Christians inside the four walls of the church, inside the salt shaker, this is just one big salt shaker here, most believers statistically never share their faith, never lead someone else to Jesus Christ, have a difficult time in telling someone else about their faith. It's sad. Imagine you had stage four cancer. You were on death's door and someone gave you this drink or something that you drank and you were completely cured of cancer. You have no cancer and you have the antidote. It worked on you. And you look around and most of the world is in need of this and you decide you're just going to keep it for yourself. What kind of person would you be? Something would be drastically wrong with that. And in the same way, those of us inside the church, you have the antidote for sin. You have the antidote for unhappiness. You have the antidote for discontentment. You have the antidote to have your sins forgiven. You have the antidote to go to heaven. And most of the world is lost. We're saved. And for some reason, we just keep it to ourselves. Why is that? Well, there's many reasons why we don't share. Sometimes we feel like we're not qualified. Sometimes we think, well, they're going to reject me or they're going to reject the message. We have a fear of being of rejection. Maybe we're, we have a, a legitimate fear that they're going to ask us a question and I won't know the answer to it. Or we're just not equipped. Maybe we don't know where to begin. Maybe, maybe we're not saved ourselves. Maybe we don't know the Bible well enough. Maybe we're just too busy or too complacent. And you also have to remember this. May, the devil doesn't want you to share. There's a lot of factors on why we don't share our faith. This series is designed to help you overcome every reason, every excuse, every fear, every hurdle that you have, why you don't share your faith. And the purpose of this is to stir you and to motivate you and to compel you to share your faith with others, to share Jesus Christ. I mean, just think about this. Imagine, I I think about this. What if every single person in this room right here, right now, you came to church next week and you had someone with you that you had led to the Lord or someone that you had invited to church. If 100% of you this week were out sharing your faith and you brought someone with you that you'd led the Lord last week, imagine how quickly we could change this city. Have you ever even imagined what Los Angeles would be like if every single person was saved. We would no longer be the world's number one producer of pornography. Can you imagine that? We would no longer need the nation's largest gel system, which we currently have. There'd no longer be any racial tension of any kind in this city. There'd be no need for Planned Parenthood. There'd be no need for it. There'd be no marijuana shops. On every street corner. Imagine how polite everyone would be. Imagine how glorious everything would be if every single person in this city was a Christian. Not to mention the fact if we could win L.A., we could win all of California. If we could win all of California, we could win the entire United States of America. And if we could win the entire United States of America, we could reach the entire world. But none, none of that is possible 
until we get people inside these four walls willing to go outside these four walls and to begin to share their faith. It's not possible. It's not going to happen with us sitting in here. I want you to, if you can, if you're able to pick up a copy of the book that took me about four years to write, this is my heart. But this book will get you back on track and get you focused on what should be important in each of our lives. It will open up your eyes to see the truth that people need the Lord and will remind you of God's call upon your life and you will be motivated to share your faith. And you're going to hear story after story of people whose lives have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today you can pick up a copy of that book. There's several places out in the lobby. Sometime during the week, I want you to get signed up for a life group. And when you go to a life group, it's a group of about 10 to 12 people. Besides the book compelled, there's a There's a DVD in every life group. You're going to watch a little DVD, and there's a 76-page workbook. We currently have, are you ready for this? Signed up for this six weeks. We have close to 300 life groups and 3,000 people signed up to be in these life groups. Oh, that's exciting. You can even run your own life group. Just go out there, sign up. And they'll give you the material. And you can watch, you can have your family and get your neighbor, maybe a couple people, friends of yours, and gather around and go through this material. Now today, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to talk to you on this subject, compelled to tell. Compelled to tell. And I want to give you three things that should compel every single person in this room to tell others about Jesus Christ. Number one, in your notes, we should be compelled by Christ calculating or calculated love. The word calculated might sound a little strange when you think of Jesus's love as being calculated. We think of or use that word, something that a villain does like Lex Luthor when he's trying to devise a scheme to defeat Superman. That he's calculating. Heroes just act. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in your Bible, people were wondering why Paul was so consumed with winning the entire world to Jesus Christ. Paul was such a fanatical for Jesus Christ, people thought he was losing his mind. And in 2 Corinthians, they're wondering, Paul, why do you do the things that you do? Why are you like the way you are? And he answers that question in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. He says these words, for Christ's love compels us. I don't have any choice. I I can't help myself. I have to. This is the way I am. And then he says, because, and here's the reason why, I am convinced that one died for all. What's he talking about? He is convinced that Jesus died for the entire world. He says, for Christ's love compels us. Can't help myself. Because of what Jesus Christ did for the world. And then he says this in verse 15, the next verse. And he died, Jesus died that those who live, that would be us, that 
We, once you understand the love of Christ, you should no longer live for yourself, but you should be willing to live for the one who died and was raised again. That, that makes sense, doesn't it? That if one, Jesus, died for us, that we should be willing to live for him. There's so much in this, this verse, but the main point is that Paul was motivated by Christ's love. How so? Well, Paul, if you study his life, he was as lost, as lost, as lost as could be. He was more lost, if there is such a thing, than anyone in this room until the Lord found him. He, w- he wasn't searching for the Lord. The Lord was searching after Paul. And Paul gets saved. And after he gets saved, he's converted to Christianity. He goes on four missionary journeys. He writes half of the New Testament. He is consumed with reaching the entire world for Jesus Christ. He becomes a man who literally begins to weep over the lost souls. And then he actually says these words that he wished himself, he himself could be cursed and cut off and go to hell if it meant that all of Israel would be saved. He said, I'm willing to go to hell if it means that my fellow man will be saved. He was willing to do anything in order for people to be saved. Why is that? He was compelled by the love of Christ. I want you to write this down in your notes. The word compel in the Greek is this word. I want you to write it down. S-U-N, like the sun, and then echo. It's pronounced soon echo. Soon echo is the Greek word for compel. I want you to say soon echo. Say it again. Soon echo. That word means to be held together. It's like duct tape. If you can picture duct tape. If you were wrapped in duct tape, it would hold everything together. Amen. It's a word that means to enclose. I want you to write this down. It's a word that means to surround. I am suneko. I am surrounded. I am compelled. And I want you to picture a soldier, a soldier who is completely surrounded by enemy forces. He cannot run away. Uh, If he fights, he will die. He's completely surrounded. There is no escape. His only hope, he's only got one hope for survival. He has to surrender because he's surrounded. It's a beautiful picture of what it means to be compelled by the love of Christ. It means that we are completely surrounded by the love of Christ. Wherever you turn, wherever you look, you're just reminded of how much God loves you. When I look at what Jesus Christ did for me, and I look and see what Jesus Christ did for you, when he dies on the cross, the sacrifice The fact that he left heaven and he came to this earth. The fact that he endured the crucifixion. Whenever I see, when I'm surrounded by what Christ did for me, I can't help but surrender to him. And I can't help but tell others about what Christ has done in my life. And so here's the question, the real question. And think about this. Do you really understand? You, I'm asking you. Do you understand? The calculated love of God. Here's what the Bible teaches. Now, stay with me. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned. Now, who's all? All is all. And we've all done what? The Bible says, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. How many of you agree with that? Raise your hand if you agree with that. Now, if you don't raise your hand, you're a sinner. Okay? You're lying. That's a sin. 
We've all sinned. How many of you know that includes the pastor? Yeah, yeah. Includes everybody. All means all. All have sinned. Romans 6, 23. Here's line two. The Bible says that the wages of sin, we've all sinned, but the wages or the penalty or the consequences of sin is death. You die physically, but you die spiritually. It separates you from God. You die eternally. We've all sinned, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, the wages, the consequences, the, the consequences of my sin is death. I should have to die. You should have to die. But then you come to Romans 5.8 that says, for God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ, oh, see, 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 you see, it's like a, it's like a mathematical equation. All have sinned, that's point one. Point two, sin equals death. Oh, okay, so I'm going to die. But the third point is that Christ died for us. The song that we sang right before we came out here, right before I came out, we sang a song. You sang a song called Reckless Love. That song is very controversial today because there are many people who think that theologically that song is completely off base, that God would never be reckless with his love, that God doesn't do anything without thinking it through, and that that uh, to say that his love is reckless is unbiblical. But if you know the guy who wrote the song, and you can look this up online, it's fascinating to, to, to see the guy who wrote the song. And the words go, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. The guy that wrote that song... The reason he chose the word reckless in his viewpoint is that he was so far away from God that typically no one would waste even an ounce of energy or an ounce of love to try to even save somebody. He was so far away from God. And so he's saying that God's love is so reckless that he was willing to waste some of it on him. Now, theologically, theologically, that might not be true, okay? Uh, but I do, I do believe that from one angle, God's love is a little reckless because you and I, many of us, we wouldn't. We wouldn't expend love on someone who was unlovable. But God did. So, so stay with me. The author of that song, from his vantage point, it was a little reckless on God's behalf because no one would ever spend a dime on a guy like that. But make no mistake about it, God's love is calculated because he knew that if we died in our sin, that we would be lost forever. God knew that. He also knew that if Jesus died in our place and was buried and rose again, he knew that eternal life would be available to all who believe. Ladies and gentlemen, when your eyes and your heart open up to the truth of Christ's calculated love for you, you can't help but serve him, and you can't help but tell other people about his amazing love. Number two, you should be compelled by Christ's compassionate views. Christ's compassionate views. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it's in your notes, that we have the mind of Christ. That when you became a Christian, that you actually have the mind of Christ. 
And what that means is that you're supposed to see things the way that Jesus sees things. You're supposed to think about things the way that Jesus thinks about things. That you're supposed to view things the way that Christ view things. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 9. This is very important scripture. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. The first word is Jesus. I want everybody to say his name just because I like to hear it. Say it one more time. There's no other name. Amen. Amen. Now, according to verse 35, it says that Jesus went through all the towns. He went through all the villages teaching in their what? Synagogues. And so I'm convinced when they found that synagogue, because it's dated to the time of Christ, I'm convinced that Jesus walked in that synagogue and taught because of that verse. It says he went to all the towns and all the villages and all the synagogues. And what did he do when he got in that synagogue? He was preaching the good news of the kingdom and he was healing every disease and what? Sickness. Now you tell me if a miracle worker shows up and he begins to heal every disease and sickness, let me tell you, you're going to show up, your neighbor's going to show up, your neighbor's neighbor's going to show up, you're going to bring every sick person you know, every relative you have, and you're going to bring him to Jesus if he's healing every sickness and disease. And so the Bible says when he saw the crowds, why were the crowds there? Because he was healing all the sicknesses and the diseases, right? So verse 36 says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now I want to ask you, what do you think when you see the crowds? How many of you have ever been stuck at Dodger Stadium in the parking lot after a baseball game? You got stuck. What were you thinking when you were stuck in the crowds? How many of you have ever pulled in, you're starving, you pull into In-N-Out and you see the line goes clear around the block? What goes through your mind? How many of you, raise your hand, you've ever been inside LAX? You've been inside there. Enough said. When I come out, when I get off a plane at LAX and I have to go get a bag at the baggage claim, I feel like I'm in prison and I'm never getting out. That's how I feel. How many of you have ever been on the 10 freeway? How many of you have ever been on the 405 during rush hour? L- let me rephrase that. How many of you have ever been on the 405 during any hour? I found this picture yesterday on the internet. I want to show it to you. This is, this is China. There are 2 billion people in China. 2 billion. This is one of their freeways. There's 44 lanes going into 25 gates. And as you go to the north, you see where everything bottlenecks trying to get out. And you think we have a bad here in L.A. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But my question is this, when you're stuck on the 405 freeway, what's your first thought when you see all these people? Are you thinking, who are these people? How can there be this many people here? Where are they going? And I wish I was Moses. I could just part the sea. Let me go through. You hit the steering wheel. Get out of my way. When Jesus saw the crowds, he saw them as precious souls. He saw the lostness 
in people. He saw eternity in the balance. He sees lives that have been broken, dreams that have been shattered, people who need to be saved, individuals who need a second and a third and a fourth chance. He sees hopelessness. He sees the folly of sin. He knows and understands that they are under attack by the evil one. I'm telling you that when Jesus saw the crowds, compassion just oozed out of him. And I have to tell you this again. If you'll read that book and you'll attend a life group and get plugged in and you'll be here, I am convinced that you, at the end of this six-week period, that you will begin to see people the way that Jesus sees people. Thanks for joining us today on Lift Up Jesus with Dudley Rutherford. If you've enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to visit us at liftupjesus.com. Sign up for our monthly devotional. It's absolutely free. And you have to love free. Say amen if you like free. We'll send it to you via email right to your inbox and you'll be blessed and encouraged. I also want to encourage you to join us at Shepherd Church this weekend at one of our three campuses. If you do not have a church home, we would love to have you come visit us here at Shepherd, either at Porter Ranch Campus, the Woodland Hills Campus, or up there in Aquadulce. Visit our website at liftupjesus.com to learn more about Shepherd Church, our locations, and our service times. And if you feel led to support us in this radio outreach to Los Angeles, I invite you to partner with us. Go to the website liftupjesus.com and help us reach this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is people like you and gifts like yours that enable this radio program to exist. For a financial gift of any amount, we will send you our anchored Bible study journal. The journal features a Bible reading plan, a page to journal for every day of the year, There are thought-provoking questions and inspirational quotes that will take you deeper into God's Word. You can call us toll-free at 888-818-4777 or visit our website at liftupjesus.com. We'd love to hear from you and remember to meet me, Pastor Dudley Rutherford, here every weekday at 7 p.m. at KKLA as we continue to lift up Jesus. Jesus.